Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money only on Money FM 89.3. What is the future of banking going to look like? Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Today I'm chatting with Rohit Murthy, co-founder and country manager of Sing Saver, as we look at what you need to know about the future of banking. Singapore's banking industry is liberalizing. In June this year, MAS announced it will issue up to five new digital bank licenses, extending the digital bank licenses to non-bank players. Now this, in addition to any digital banks that the Singapore Bank Banking groups may also establish under existing internet banking frameworks. Rohit, thank you for joining us live. Good morning. And where are you joining us from? Good morning, Michelle. I'm joining from Manila. Appreciate it, Rohit. So let's jump right into the topic for today. For the longest time, people have wondered if digital banks means a huge transformation for the brick and mortar bank. If we looked specifically at the issuing of these five new digital bank licenses, what do you think they signal about the future role of banks here in Singapore? I think this is an exciting development because when you talk about digital banks, they've existed, right, in, in many other markets. And typically, digital banks are ones where they operate without physical branches. So the digital banks tend to be completely an online value proposition. They tend to have sort of niche segments of users and customers that they target, typically lower costs, which means attractive products. So overall, I think this development, essentially what it does is it's now going to bring in some of those tech companies who are really good at digital technology. They're very good at serving customers digitally. And now they are going to be given an opportunity to start offering financial services and products. And a lot of these could be very innovative financial services and products, but also in terms of how customers actually go about buying these products, there's a lot of scope for innovation there. So I think in that sense, it's a really exciting development um, in Singapore. Yeah. So help us understand these digital bank licenses. Are they meant to help roll out digital-only banks? Well, typically, yes, digital banks are digital-only banks. Um, but I think it will be interesting because there are two phases, uh, even in terms of the licenses that are being given. The li- first license is a digital full bank, which is essentially serving a retail customer. So offering them simple deposits, credit products, maybe simple investment products. And then there's a digital wholesale bank, which is a separate license. And this is for your SME and any other sort of non-retail segments. There's a phase approach that MAS has taken. So mm-hmm. there'll be a restricted license to begin with in terms of sort of products they can offer, caps on deposits. And then once the MAS is comfortable in terms of what they've demonstrated either to the customers and also the business model, then they can become a full bank. And I think that's where it'll be interesting to see how some of these digital banks that should typically start off with a digital-only value proposition Mm. would also then start looking at, you know, potentially competing head-on with uh, your traditional banks, which have obviously started digitizing, but have brick-and-mortar sort of branches, big coverage of ATMs. So, yes, I think it it is going to be a phased approach with a digital-only value proposition to begin with. You touched a little on this theme, but I wonder if you can expand on some of the possible advantages, the key ones of digital banks. 
I think uh, there are a few things I look at. One is cost. And there's a cost benefit that can be transferred to the customer. Now, the biggest challenge that traditional banks have had is just the cost structure, right? The legacy infrastructure, lots of brick and mortar branches, which means that they're not able to you know, offer very attractive interest rates. They're not able to offer all the time very attractive, innovative products. Mm. So I think in that sense, there'll be a cost benefit that will be transferred to the customer They don't, if the bank doesn't have a lot of these legacy sort of costs. The second thing is convenience. I think a big part for these digital banks to be successful is to be ultra convenient to use. Whether you're applying for a product, are you getting an instant approval, are you getting a virtual card, you know, how easy is it for you to get a loan, can you get it instantly, uh, is it completely a digital process? And the good thing is a lot of the traditional banks have already started working on it, but then, you know, now you're going to get additional competition from these banks. And then the other part of it would be definitely for me is just transparency. I mean, let's face it, that's something that the traditional banks have generally not been known for. With digital banks, if they have a value proposition where they're super transparent in terms of the fees, in terms of what the charges are, if they really understand the data and they're able to help customers truly understand what their financial problems are, but also what their financial situation is, then, you know, they're actually solving problems. So I think in that sense, there's a lot of benefits that potentially can get transferred to the customers because now you're going to have companies that don't come with legacy mindset, legacy people, legacy technology, but are essentially there to solve problems. Okay, and in terms of disadvantages, a clear one would be the lack of maybe the personal banker relationship. Uh, What others stand out for you? I think coverage of products. I think it's safe to assume that you're not going to make this a primary bank from day one, right? Because they'll probably have a limited suite of products that they can offer you. So likely you'll still have to have relationships with some of your other traditional banks, whether it's some of your complex investment products, insurance products, mortgages, and so on. So I think in that sense, there will be this good phase or period where you're going to be having customers that are still using the traditional products, traditional banks, while certain products and certain services may be offered and a lot more conveniently from uh, the digital banks. So in that sense, yeah, I think that's probably the big disadvantage I see. The other one is, I think, the big piece will be trust. I mean, the customers will need to trust, you know, the new brands, the new banks. Uh, security will be, again, a very important part. So I think in that sense, that is also something that we'll need to see how quickly customers will actually trust these new brands and these new banks in terms of handling their own financial transactions. When it comes to these five new players, uh, the five new digital bank licenses, what do you think is really going to matter to the consumer at the end of the day in terms of the criteria that the consumer uses uh, to assess how these new bank players do? At the end of the day, um, when you look at certain segments, I think it was pretty clear that even when these licenses were granted, MAS would want to understand what are the segments that they are targeting. So there are a lot of underserved segments. And I think that will be key to see how the digital banks will actually cater to these underserved segments. Now, these could be your gig economy, your freelancers and, you know, your grab drivers, Mm. people who necessarily don't get credit easily or don't get, you know, personalized products in terms of insurance or micro insurance and so on. So I think in that sense, there are underserved segments. The SME segment is a big segment. It's not easy for SMEs to get credit. Right. So I think that's also a segment that will be interesting given that wholesale banking license in play there. If we back up a little, uh, you know, the big news point when these bank licenses were announced was that non-bank players would be allowed to, you know, run these. Uh, what does this mean for consumers? We've already seen some of that disruption happen in, uh, for example, in China, where you've had your and financials, Alipay, you know, Tencent, WeChat, 
these are the tech companies that have already started offering financial product services and, and they've done it in a, in a remarkable way. So that disruption has already happened elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And we've also seen Hong Kong follow suit by, you know, issuing a digital banking license. And actually a couple of the Ant and Tencent have actually also made their way into Hong Kong. So I think in that sense, you're going to have some really innovative tech companies that are great when it comes to building digital products that are great in terms of understanding customer data the analytics piece. And I think in that sense, it's great for the customers because not only they they might get attractive products, but they'll also get personalized products. So I think that is something that generally traditional banks have struggled with. In many cases, you might see very, very personalized suite of products depending on who you are, because they truly understand who you are and how you are digitally. So even if they have no track record in banking, uh, you see these players as perhaps being poised to still be able to meet customer demand? Yes, uh, definitely, because we've seen that disruption happen already elsewhere. But again... Uh, I think the the licenses, you know, there needs to be a clear value proposition before they're granted the license. So it'll be interesting to see who are these players, which sort of customer segments they're targeting and what the initial rollout of products would be once uh, they go live with their digital banking value proposition. So when it comes to digital-only banks, people sometimes wonder, what does this mean for the withdrawal of cash? We've already Mm. seen the wide adoption of digital wallets. So will digital banks help propel this trend of digital wallets? Definitely. I think that's just the natural progression that's going to happen. And it'll be also interesting. I mean, of course, they will probably bank on existing cover, you know, ATM networks so that you know, people can still withdraw cash. Because you know, in Singapore, it's still cash transactions are prevalent. So I think in that sense, they will still probably tap onto it. But they may have innovative ways in terms of the idea is to, is to go cashless. The idea is to say that, am I able to pay for the next meal without having to actually withdraw cash? So I think that will be their key value proposition of how can we ensure most of the transactions are cashless. He's Rohit Murthy, co-founder and country manager Singh Saver, joining us live from Manila. Thank you for joining us, Rohit. So if we look at China and Hong Kong, they're ahead compared to Singapore in terms of being the first to announce virtual banks. Rohit, do you see any lessons Singapore can learn from China and Hong Kong? Oh, um, I mean, just the range of products and payment services that they have introduced there. I think it's been remarkable the way that they've actually uh, launched very innovative products. You know, whether you're talking in just purely in terms of the apps itself, but also in terms of some of the things that they've done in terms of, you know, you've seen automated bank branches. You've also seen sort of intelligent teller sort of machines, much more capable than, you know, existing ATMs. Um, and then, of course, you know, they've also tapped into, like, even if you look at some of the other markets, like Japan, you've, you've even had virtual banking services, uh, whether it's in your 7-Eleven convenience stores, so I think it's just a, going to see a whole sort of range of innovative products, innovative ways of distributing those products. And of course, I think safe to say that by with these players coming in, hopefully there won't be underserved segments because there are still underserved segments even in a market like Singapore. Now, if these banks can come and actually provide financial solutions to these underserved segments, I think that therein lies a really good sort of lesson for what we've seen in terms of the disruption that's happened, especially in in markets like China. Mm. And speaking of disruption, with all that information out there and new players exponentially growing by the day, SingSaver uh, really helps consumers understand, make sense of the new financial offerings. And I wonder if SingSaver is going to sort of compare the digital bank offerings when they are launched? Of course. I think at the end of the day, you know, we stand for the same sort of mission. We want people to lead healthy financial lives. So we want people to understand the market. We want transparency. So it's great to have more products out there in the market. Obviously, we take the complexity out by trying to simplify 
when you know uh, both in terms of comparison but also in terms of content so users truly understand the products that they're signing up for so that's a great development for us we also work very closely with the banks to try and make the digital journeys you know as convenient and ultra convenient as possible so even with the new digital banks coming and you know we'll definitely play a very active role from day one to make it super easy and convenient for for users when they are actually going to sign up for those products and services okay and speaking of banking if we take a macro view of things if you look at what's driving the digitization of finance it is three main forces mobile access the rise of big data and perhaps the growth of platform ecosystems so given uh-huh. these three forces how do you think the business model of banking could evolve it will be really interesting to see the sort of disruption that may happen in the overall business model typically a lot of the banking products uh, at least the credit products are just purely based on interest margins while fees have been a big part in terms of how banks have actually make money so i think in that sense i don't expect a huge disruption to happen in terms of some of the simple credit products that mm-hmm. are going to be offered mm-hmm. but definitely in terms of what are your big revenue drivers i think you know you're going to probably see some sort of disruptive it could be simple things like subscription models maybe you know you you right. subscribe for a service you only pay for a service when you need it um so i think in that sense you start seeing some of those models which typically have taken longer for traditional banks to roll out mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons but now you might start seeing those sort of models the spotify kind of models the netflix kind of models or even in terms of you know certain models where you only pay for the product or the service that you need uh, and i think that's where i see some of the disruption happening even in terms of how some of these digital banks may actually monetize data will be a big part data will be a big part the fact that if they can actually have a really huge sort of base of customers and they can truly understand then i think there's a lots of other sort of products and services that they potentially be able to cross sell and upsell listen one of the reasons why i enjoy singsaver is you really step into the perspective of the consumer whether you it's travel insurance that you're comparing or you're comparing credit cards with the best cashback so in terms of your perspective from where you're sitting how is the consumer mm-hmm. journey changing when consumers look at choosing a financial product I think since I started Thinksaver it's safe to say that financial products were sold we've obviously tried to ensure that financial products are bought by consumers and not sold to them and I think that's the digital journey that's going to change where now you're going to have consumers shop for financial products and they will pick the financial products that best match their needs they will know if they're eligible for these products and at the end of the day you know with this sort of digital journey we are uh, digital banks as well as you know uh, the thinksavers we are trying to solve complex financial problems because at the end of the day that's how people can lead healthy financial lives so we need to solve a problem so i think the whole digital journey will even change in terms of how today financial products are today actually being sold but now will be bought by the consumers And finally before we let you go you know when it comes to bank stocks people in Singapore often look at bank stocks as shares that you buy and you hold forever so what do you think that people <laughs> who have long looked at bank stocks as stable and those yielding good dividends need to keep in mind with the entry of these new digital banks I think you I mean again uh, I think even MAS has been very clear that they're not looking at uh, disrupting the the current sort of ecosystem that exists it will still be viewed as an incremental value add So I think it's safe to say that you know the traditional banks are still have a big part to play the incumbents still have a big part to play so I, in that sense I don't see any shake up happening even in terms of how you know the consumers are going to be viewing some of those investments that they have but yes it will obviously be exciting with new players coming in a uh, lot more new products coming in it'll be also interesting to see how some of a few of these traditional banks will respond 
you know, are we going to see more partnerships? Are we going to start seeing acceleration even in terms of, you know, innovation from them? And I think that's only good for the consumer, especially, you know, if they have stocks in some of these big traditional banks. So you don't think banks should worry? You don't think there's going to be uh, the possibility of unhealthy competition? I don't think there should be unhealthy competition. I think banks have already, you know, started digitizing a lot of their sort of journeys and their processes. Because I think they they saw this coming. It's not that, you know, this this has been a complete shock for them. Mm. Uh, We saw that in Hong Kong, you know, expected that uh, such liberalization will also happen here. So I think it's just a question of which of these banks will be able to accelerate their digitization and and also, you know, start competing now with these tech companies to provide innovative, uh, innovative products and solutions. So I think there'll be a healthy competition, especially in a market like uh, Singapore. And I think it's at the end of the day, the consumer wins. And I think that's what matters. Always great talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us, Rohit. Lovely to be uh, on your show again. Thank you. Rohit Murthy is co-founder and country manager of SingSaver. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm 89 3.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.